All right, and good morning, Ridgepoint Church. Hope you had a great start to 2015. Now, here's the deal. I love going to church. I know what you're thinking. Well, you're the pastor. You should love going to church. Hopefully that's the case. But, but even prior to all of this, uh, when I was growing up, I, had, I, I didn't really have a chance to, we didn't really belong to a church. And so I had a bunch of friends who would routinely invite me to go to church with them. And I love the experience. And here's what I was learning going to some friends' churches is there are a lot of different churches. And they're, listen, even today, there are a lot of different styles of churches. And everybody does it a little bit differently. And I think that's okay. I don't think there's necessarily one right way of doing church. And yet I believe that God puts in our DNA a certain style of church that kind of fits with us. And for me, Rich Point Church was that. But growing up, I had a chance to go to a lot of different churches, and people do it differently. And sometimes it was very hard as an outsider walking into a church to understand, like, what you're supposed to do during the church service. I'd walk into a friend's church, and, and it was like everybody else. I don't know if everybody's kind of grew up in that church whatever, but, like, everyone stood up at the same time. And you're sitting there saying, how does everybody know when to stand up? And then, like, you're up there standing up. You're like, all right, we're singing. And then all of a sudden, everybody sits down. And you're like, oh, I better sit down. And, and, and it's like sometimes for a person as an outsider walking in, it's really hard to understand how churches work. And so that's one of the things we're aware of, and we try to make sure people who are, who are, who are new and maybe visiting church, we explain to you, here's what's happening, here's what's going on. But, but for me, one of those instances, I was a freshman in high school, and I had met a, a good friend of mine. And, and I'd gone to different churches, and different people invited me to churches, and, I, and I, even sometimes I'd go to those churches for, for a while. I would say I, I go to church, but I never felt like until I was 19 years old, which I'll get to later, I never felt like I belonged to a faith community. And so when I was in ninth grade, at, at the time, I don't believe now that I actually had a relationship with Christ, but at the time, I thought I did. And I was talking to a friend of mine, and his name was Konkeo Boonmanon. Uh, definitely a good Irish Catholic name right there, huh? Um, Kankeo was Laotian, and he was just one of the best kids I ever met. Like in ninth grade, just had a great heart, cared about people. And so he and I were lab partners for a little bit. We got to know each other. And so he started talking to me, and we kind of talked about I thought we had a shared faith, and we're kind of talking that thing through. And Kankeo said, well, where do you go to church? And I said, well, I don't go to church regularly. He's like, well, come to my church this Sunday. And I said, yeah, absolutely. I'd love to go to your church. And, and so I show up at Kankeo's church that particular Sunday morning. And, and first of all, I show up, and I didn't realize Kankeo didn't tell me a couple of things before I went to church with him. Uh, first of all, it was a Laotian church. Everybody there was from Laos or had descendants from Laos. And, and so I walked in, and, and literally, I kid you not, I think I was the only Caucasian person in the room. And, and so I didn't feel bad. Like, I didn't feel weird about that. I'm like, all right, that's cool. I, I like this setting. That's, but, so I walked in, and I was the only Caucasian person in the room. And, and then in addition, he didn't tell me that everybody there wore suits, like suits and ties, and everybody was dressed up. And I had on khakis and a polo. For a high schooler, I thought I was dressed up. And, and I come walking in, and I'm like, oh, <laughs> now I stand out for two reasons. Um, so, so I'm there, and, and it's already, I, but I, I still don't feel that uncomfortable. And then Kankyo says, JJ, there's, there's, there's a couple more things I didn't tell you. Uh, first of all, today's a special service. We actually have, and, and I don't even know what denomination they belong to, but they had some international leader that was speaking via like a telecast which for back then was like cutting edge. And they said, they're going to show the video, and he's going to be speaking up on, on the thing. So the, most of the service is not going to be in English. Thanks, buddy. I appreciate that one. And, oh, by the way, I forgot to mention one more thing. I can't even sit with you. I thought, dude, you're killing me here. <laughs> like, I'm already way out of play. He's like, no, here's the deal. I'm in the choir, the choir's singing this morning. But since we're watching the video, the choir's going to be in the pews. And so I'm going to sit on the back row of, of the pew, and, uh, of the pew the choir's in. And then you're going to sit on the front row of the rest of the audience. And, and so you, you'd just be a row apart from me. 
And I said, Conkale, you better be glad I love you because this is really uncomfortable right now. And, and so I go ahead. The service is about to begin. And I sit down. And he sits me down to, there's a couple of, of kids next to me that are younger than me. They're middle school, and high, uh, middle school and elementary school age. And so I sat down, and they're kind of sitting there whispering, kind of looking at who's the guy sitting next to us. But, but so I sit down, and the service begins. And I don't understand a whole lot of what's going on, and they're doing their thing, and they're speaking. I don't understand a whole lot of it. And then everyone stands up to sing. And the song I think they sung was, was in English. So I pick up a hymnal, and I kind of sing along. I said, for the first time, I kind of feel like I understand what's going on. I'm liking this. We finish the song and close the hymnal. We sit down. Uh, later on the service, everyone stands up. Or I thought everybody stood up. You see, the choir was sitting right in front of me, and the choir stands up to sing. And I think, all right, everybody's standing up. So here I am sitting in my pew. Everybody stands up. I'm like, oh, all right, where's the hymnal? And I look around. And the choir is all in front of me, and I'm the only person in the next row standing up. Everybody's like looking at me, and I'm like, I'm discreetly sit down right now. And, and, and for me, it was like really this incredibly awkward experience. And I said, Conkeo, if I ever come to church again, you're sitting next to me. Otherwise, this isn't going to happen. Like, but sometimes we have that experience going to church. And, and for me, even though it's kind of awkward for a little bit, I love that experience, an experience I remember to this day. But there's something different about going to church or visiting a church with someone and actually buying into saying, this is now my church. There's a step that we take where we start to buy into it. I think Chris kicked off this series last week. If you are here last week, as we talked about we, not they. Chris did a great job explaining how kind of his family was, was a great picture of what the church family could be about. And sometimes it has to be, be buy-in. And sometimes it takes a little bit of time to get there. But ultimately for us to go from we to they... We have to get past me. Like, I, ha- I have to get past that. And for me, that took a long time because I didn't go to church a whole lot growing up, so I'd visit churches, but I never really understood what it meant to be a part of a faith community, to be a part of God's kingdom here on earth. And, and so I think for a lot of us, we hear that, and we hear a series like this, and we hear Chris is going to end share about partnership cards, and we hear that and say, well, I'm not sure about all of that. Maybe you didn't grow up going to church, and you think, that's, that's a little bit much for me. I'm still a little bit suspect. I understand that. Or like a lot of us, maybe you went to church and you had a really bad experience with a church. And so you're even more suspect saying, I don't know if I want to be a part of a community because I know that sometimes bad things can happen. And listen, I understand that totally because we're going to get to this, but the church is made up of people and we're broken, we're fallible, we make mistakes. And sometimes people get hurt in the process. That's not our desire. Sometimes it happens. And so maybe that's you and you say, I'm even more suspect now. I understand both of those ideas a lot. But today we're going to begin talking about the purpose of God's church. And I want us to understand at the very outset why even though God looks down to us and we're flawed and we're, we're characters and we make mistakes, God still looks at us and says the church is very, very valuable. In fact, it's so valuable. There's two verses I want to use as kind of a foundation to this morning. Uh, over in Acts chapter 20, verse 28. Speaking specifically to church leadership, but in the midst of that it says this. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock, in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers, to care for the church of God, so to care for the church, which he obtained with his own blood. He says, listen, you want to know how important the church is? Jesus obtained, he purchased the church with his blood. Jesus literally died for the church. I know a lot of people that want to separate. Well, I, I, I love Jesus, I'm going to follow Jesus, but I'm going to separate and I'm not going to go to church. And God's saying, listen, I understand the church can be fallible, can make mistakes, but I obtain the church with my blood. 
And in fact, the church is called the bride of Christ. And we can't separate the bride from the groom. It's not supposed to be that way. So for people who grow up and say, I think I've learned all I can learn. I'm, I'm tired of the church. I'm going to do something else. That's not God's plan for our life. Second verse, over in Ephesians chapter 5. I've had a chance recently to do a lot of weddings. And I love to share this verse from the perspective of the husband, because there's a specific command here to the husband about what our responsibility is in the marriage covenant. And yet right in the middle of that, it has this great statement about Christ and the church. He says, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. So it's a command to us who are husbands to say, this is how you're supposed to love your wife. But as you love your wife, realize you're picturing how much Christ loves his church. And he is willing to give himself up for her, his bride. If God says, and if Christ says that that's how important the church is. But I think at some point it, it trickles down into our understanding to say, I need to grasp this idea of what the church is about. I need to understand the plan and the purpose of the church. I need to understand what God is trying to accomplish. And I need to be bought in at a level that maybe supersedes anything I knew before. See, when I was 16, 17, 18, 19, even 20 years old, I didn't understand that. At 19, 20, I started to get it. But I would go to church. I'd like it. But for me, it was for the most part, I'd walk in on Sunday morning, and I'd have my Bible with me. I'd read my Bible along with the, the pastor, and I'd, I'd kind of get involved in, in Sunday school at the time. And if they had Sunday evening service, I'd go to that. But that was really it. But there's a, a buy-in point where we say, okay, not only is it what they're doing, but now it's starting to become part of my culture. It's starting to become part of who I am. So for us to get that, I think we have to understand what is the purpose and what is the church. And for us to get that, I want to understand what the church is not. And we're going to get to that in just a second. Before we do that, i got a special thing for you to take part in. Uh, in the seat back in front of you, there should be one of these. It's a four by six index card. I want you to pull that out right now. Everybody here, a little project we're going to do. Uh, and, and take part. If, if, if you don't have a pen, think about it at least. But take part in this because we're actually going to collect these at the end and, and I want to just kind of read through some of these. But here's what I want us to do at the, at the very beginning of the service. I want us to write this down. Answer this. If I could design the perfect church, it would dot, dot, dot. So if right now there wasn't a Ridge Point church and you're just sitting right where you are right now and say, okay, we're part of a, a group of people. We're believers gathering together and we want to plant a church right in our neighborhood, if we're going to design the perfect church, what would church look like? What would the perfect church look like for you? So go ahead, take a couple minutes, and I'm going to continue to talk so there's not silence, but take a couple minutes and, and write those things down. And maybe during the service you think of, of something else. That's fine. Continue to write those things down. But there's a couple of reasons why we do this. Number one is, is for us to realize there is no perfect church. You see, there are going to be some people who write down, I want the music to be louder. And others are going to write down, I want the music to be softer. And lastly, in the first service, we had someone write down both on the, the same card. I didn't understand that. Um, but, but the reason why it's, it's a challenge, because there is no perfect church. It's made up of human beings. We're fallible. We all have our likes and our dislikes. But the second reason why we do this, and this is really important to me, I believe God has gifted every one of us. And when we make a decision to accept him, he gives us with a, with a specific purpose, a supreme purpose. And sometimes there are some great ideas right here in the leadership that is sitting in the chairs right now to make a difference in our community. And you're sitting on a great idea and you haven't even thought about it yet. And God's saying he could use an exercise like this to literally transform our culture. 
And so write those things down. What are some things, we're starting from scratch, what are some things that we'd like to see accomplished? Because, and here's the big deal in this, the only way it happens, see, I got a chance real quick between the services to flip through the first service cards. And some of them had great ideas. Some of those are our ideas I'd love to see us accomplish this year as a church. But the only way we do it is if it's not one or two or three people saying, okay, let's go do this. But everyone's saying, I'm bought into this mission. I'm ca- I bought into this vision. Now let's go accomplish this. So for that to happen, it's partly your vision. If I could design the perfect church, what would it look like? Continue to write. We're going to move on with the message. But if you think of some things along the way, feel free to write those things down. Let's get in real quick. What is a church not? For us to understand what the church is, there's a couple of things the church is not. First of all, the church is not a building. We often speak like, hey, I'm going to church this morning. And everyone understands that. I'm going to the place where the church meets. But as we read scripture, the church is not a building. We don't go to church. We are the church. And so when we leave here in about 30 minutes or 40 minutes, when we walk through those doors, we are just as much the church when we leave here as we are when the church is assembled. We are the church scattered as much as we are the church gathered. And so the church is not a building. The church is also not a hierarchical structure of leaders. Uh, Sometimes people refer to the church as the people who are in leadership. Well, I don't understand why the church does that. Or maybe it's a big denomination, international. I don't understand why the church does that. It's not just a hierarchical structure. Leaders are part of the church, but they themselves are not the church. The church also alluded to this already, but the church is not perfect. We're fallible. We make mistakes because we're made up of human beings who make mistakes. And yet the church is called the bride of Christ. And he looks at us. Each one of us individually broken and fallible. He looks at us collectively and says, but you are beautiful. And that is crazy for me to consider. So what is a church? Well, let's first look at the word church as we see it in the New Testament. The Bible, the New Testament, was originally written in the language of Greek. And the word that is used predominantly throughout the New Testament to speak about the church is a Greek word that is ekklesia. And the Greek word ekklesia is made up of two words. The word ek, which means out of, and the word kaleo, which means to call. So literally when we speak about the church, we are speaking about a group of people who have been called out for a specific purpose. So if we today are followers of Jesus, we have been called out for a specific purpose. Now, there's two parts of that. The first part is the universal calling out of anybody of all time who's ever been a believer. When I'm part of the universal church, I'm saying I'm part of this collective group of people that have been called out of the world to reach the rest of the world with the good news of who Jesus is. But the second part of that, the universal church is all believers of all time, every different area. But then the second part of it is those who have been called together. See, prior to the New Testament... The word ecclesia specifically was referring to government meetings where people would gather together to discuss things. So while the church is being called out, their church is also those who are being called together. We gather together to read scripture. We gather together to sing songs about God. We gather together to do community outreach in our area. We gather together to evangelize people who don't know about Jesus. We gather together to do these things as a local extension of his universal church. And so Ridgepoint Church is a part of that. And so what we're asking with this card is, if I could design the perfect church, local church, what would it look like? We're going to get there. But if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open up to the book, to the book of Acts, chapter 9. I love this. The book of Acts is actually, if you look in the, in the New Testament, you have the Gospels, which are Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And then that's the story of Jesus and his life and his death and, and, and his resurrection. 
Then the book of Acts picks up after those, and it's literally the history of the early church. And you see some incredible things that are happening, and you hear all these stories about what's happening in the early church. But right in the middle of some of those stories, there's actually a story about Paul, some things he's doing in Jerusalem, and then some other stories about the church later on. Right in the middle of all that, there's this one verse that stands alone. Acts chapter 9, verse 31. As we read this, I want us to understand one thing before we read this. The Bible, when it was originally written, was written by different authors. And they didn't write with chapter and verse divisions like we have today. That was meant for later on as people translated scripture. They made it very easy for us to be able to turn to a chapter and verse to be able to pick it up. There were no chapter and verse divisions. There were not even paragraph divisions. We have those things to help us out. When I read this verse, the people who translated this said this verse isn't part of any other story. It kind of stands alone. And I love that because there's all this other stuff that's happening. And, and actually Luke that wrote the book of Acts is telling these stories about what's happening in the early church. And then right in the middle of that, he pauses on all of these stories. And he has this one collective verse to sum up what's happening in churches across a particular area. Or three, actually, across three areas. It says in Acts 9.31, So the church throughout all Judea... And Galilee and Samaria. So these three different areas right next to each other. But these three areas, the church in those areas had peace and was being built up. And walking in the fear of the Lord and the comfort of the Holy Spirit, it multiplied. I want to be a part of a church that is multiplying. Like it's good to be a part of a church that, that adds by addition. It's greater to be a part of a church that adds by multiplication. And here it says about the church, that the church is being multiplied. A couple of things for us to understand here. First of all, the church that it's referring to is actually a series of literally probably hundreds of smaller churches. Experts say because back then they didn't have a lot of big church buildings like this. So they'd gather together in homes. And there are hundreds of homes in these three particular areas. And yet collectively that area is referred to as the church. All those home churches together are referred to as the church. And it says about them that they're doing these things. And a couple of things before we get into what they're doing. First of all, the early church was also made up of human beings that were fallible and made mistakes. Sometimes you see church leaders get up and say, we need to return back to what the early church used to do. And there's some great things they used to do. But read some of what Paul writes to the Corinthians. You realize they were doing some bad things as well. They're just like us. They made mistakes. Just because the early church did it didn't mean it was correct. But when God says the early church did this and the church multiplied, I want to read more into that. Not that it's saying if you do these things necessarily it's a prescription that the same outcome is going to happen at your church. But it is saying if I see that the church is doing these things and God multiplied that, then at least I can prime the pump and say, okay, I want to be a part of a church that does these things. So let's look at those four things real quick. It says about the church, the church throughout these regions had peace. They had peace, and it didn't mean there was always an absence of conflict, though there wasn't a general conflict we often think of in churches. They don't have the same conflict, the same fighting, but the peace they have ultimately comes from God. We realize that. And yet there's kind of a unanimity. We're working together. We're, we're trying to, to reach this world. And so because of that, we have a vision, and we are collectively trying to reach that vision. And so because of that, there's not conflict I've been a part of churches in the past, and it embarrasses me, but I've been a part of churches in the past where we had a vision to go outside of the doors and reach people with the good news of who Jesus is. But instead, we were fighting about the color of carpet that was in our church. And like we had schisms so bad that people didn't like each other on separate sides of the pews because they didn't like the color of the carpet the other person picked. We have a vision ahead of us, and we're fighting about stupid things like that. 
The church that's multiplying is a church that has peace. Church that's multiplying also was being built up. Continually, listen, part of this is the church's responsibility. It's important for us every time we gather together to say God's word is prime. God's word is important. We want to lift up God's word. We want to follow God's word. It's important as much as we can to find different outlets within the church to be built up. To say in a couple of weeks we start up family groups. Say I want to join a family group, be part of, faith, be part of the faith community, working together to, to build each other up, to encourage each other, to do life together. But it's also important to be built, be built up individually. It's not enough for me to be fed once or twice a week. If I did that to my body, if I only ate once or twice a week, I wouldn't be doing very well. We need to build ourselves up on a daily basis. The church being built up. So the church that speaks, church is being built up. The church walks in fear of the Lord. There's a healthy awe and reverence for who God is. And the church is being comforted by God's Spirit, by the Holy Spirit working in our lives. The Holy Spirit's job in, in the Trinity is to be the comforter. To be the one who encourages us, who helps us when, when we're down. And so the church is saying, I want to be, I want to have these four things. And if I have these four things, then it says about that church that was being multiplied. I want to be part of a church that multiplies. And so I say, God, I want to take these things and I want to start to marinate on these things and get through, okay, what does that look like for our church in 2015? What does that mean that we need to be a part of? And so over the last couple of weeks, I've been thinking about this a lot. And, and I had a couple of weeks to think about this. I gave you guys like five minutes. I apologize for that. That was grossly unfair. Um, but I have my card with me. And I want to talk through these things real quick. And, and with the last one being a really big one, something we're going to try to accomplish today. Number one, the church should enjoy being together. If you have another card, we're going to turn these cards in. But if you want to write these things down, you can. Because I want us to get these things as a church. If not, we'll post them later. But a church should enjoy being together. Listen, one of my favorite times of Sunday morning, and I love a lot about the Sunday morning service. I love the host getting up and, and letting us know what's going on. I love the band leading us in worship. I love speaking. I love listening to other speakers speak. But one of my favorite times in Sunday morning is when this service lets out. And people just kind of gather and they start talking. See, a church should enjoy being together. And there's some people who will sit here, if we would let them, they would sit here for the next two hours, just sitting on, on a chair, just talking, because the church should enjoy being together. If we rush in after the lights turn down and the band has started and we rush out right after the service, we don't get a chance to enjoy being together. Number two, the church should continually be built up. We took that straight from, straight from Acts chapter 9 here. The church should continually be built up. That means being involved in Sunday morning service on a continual basis. That means reading scripture. That means joining a family group. It means building yourself up. The church should continually be built up. Number three, and I could have made this one number one. In fact, I feel like I should have made this number one. The church should have freedom in worship. That should be a hallmark sign of the church. As I read scripture, there are people who came face to face with the magnificence of God. There are some people who came face to face literally with God. And when they did, they found themselves face down in worship before him. Literally God's presence, his, his, his glory, they fell down face first before him. Because when we face up to the glory of God, we find ourselves face down in worship. There should be freedom. God, I want to enjoy being in your presence. The fourth thing. Be spirit-led and be Jesus-focused. Kind of 4A and 4B. I want to be spirit-led. You know, we sang a song earlier, and, and, and I love, Kyle did a great job introducing that song, and, and, and just that's what the church is supposed to be about. But in the midst of that song, that, that bridge, he's trying to get us to build up. 
The word said, Spirit, lead us where trust is without borders. And I don't know if you consider the words that you're singing. But see, I'm really good at being led to areas where I'm comfortable. It doesn't take a lot of trust for me to go to areas where, where my trust has a border. Like, God, I'll go this far because my trust goes that far. But our, our, our reply there, our, our, our heart's cry there is, God, lead me where my trust has no borders. Spirit, Spirit of God, lead me where I'm beyond where I normally trust. And that is a scary thing for most of us. But if we're praying as a church, we want to be spirit-led. We're praying as a church, we want to be focused on Jesus. Then everything that we do, and this is more than just a Sunday morning thing. They're saying, man, in my life, God, I want your spirit to lead me where my trust is without borders. God, I want to be that person. I want to take those risks. God, whatever I do, I want this to be done for your glory and for your purpose. Number five, we talk about this a lot. I want to be part of a church that extravagantly and continually loves their community. We hit on this topic so much, but I never want us to miss this. We want to extravagantly love our community. and what That means whether it's our community across the street or across the world. This year we're going to continue to try to do that as best we can, loving on our neighbors, loving on, on, our, on our schools, loving on, on our families, loving on people who are in specific need. And also loving on people that look nothing and, and act nothing and smell nothing like us in a foreign country. I want to love people regardless of their backgrounds, regardless of what they've been through. And extravagantly love them because number six is this. I want to be people full of grace. Especially being grace for those who are unchurched. We want to be church, unchurched people, love to attend. And so we got to be people full of grace. I meet people in my life that, um, I don't know how to say it other than grace just oozes out of them. Seems like every time you have a conversation with them, they are particularly focused on what it is you have to say. They care about your story. They care about what, what you're doing. They care about your family. And then when you meet them, and it might be a month later, you walk up and they remember exactly what they talked about. And they say, man, we've been praying specifically for you. People of grace. People that care. I want us to be a people of grace. You see, for me, as, as I was growing up, going to these different churches, I would go and, and I liked those churches. But it was really hard for me to even understand that I was supposed to make a commitment to be a part of a faith community. I would just go and I would enjoy it. I'd say, man, that was really nice. It's not what church is supposed to be about. It's really nice and everyone looked nice. Everyone seemed happy. And then we left and there was no buy-in on my part. I didn't understand that. Then when I was 19 years old, a friend of mine invited me to church and it was a process. It wasn't right away. A friend of mine invited me to church and I realized what it really meant to have a relationship with Jesus. And I said, I want to be a part of that. And, and, I went, and I went forward and I said, I want to give my life to Jesus. And I was, I was baptized and I was really bought in. I became part of that church and eventually came on and I started being involved in different leadership capacities. And, and it was partially a different model of church. But a lot of it was just where my heart was at the time. Saying, man, it's time for you to take that next step as a person. It's time for you to follow Jesus. It's time for you to really be bought into this. So going from, from we, going from, from they to we, allows us to do that. It takes a focus off of me, and it allows us to be able to do that. See, there's one more. And this is a big one for me. Because if we're going to do that individually, I think we can only do that individually. We take the focus off of me if we do that collectively. So the final one is I want to be a church that's focused on God's kingdom more than it's focused on our kingdom. You see, in 2015, I want to see some great things happen here at Ridgepoint Church. 
In fact, on February, February 8th, we're going to have status. We're going to talk about some vision things, some specific things we would like to see accomplished this year. And I hope by the time we get to December of 2015, we can look back and say, man, this was the most incredible year we've ever had. Like, I want to see that happen here for our local extension of the body of Christ. But God's kingdom is much more powerful and much bigger than our kingdom. And we have to get that. As much as I want to see that happen for us locally, the bigger picture is much more important. I want to see families be restored. I want to see people who are so far away from Jesus come to celebrate who Jesus is. And that means when we see a celebration happening at a church down the road, they might not even act like us or think like us. But when we see people being reunited with a relationship with Christ or, or, or rekindling a relationship in their families, that's cause for us to celebrate because those people are not our enemies. And they're not our competition. They're brothers and sisters. I want to be part of a church that celebrates what God's kingdom is doing. And so this morning, I'm going to ask for a couple of us to take a step out and and, and be able to do this in a very unique way. And I'm not going to embarrass anybody or anything like that. But I I want us to do this because there are some great churches in the area. And they might not sound exactly like us or or act just like us. But they're still part of, of, of God's kingdom. And so at the end of the service, I want us to do uh, at least three people in this service to do this. I think we have three cards left. Uh, at least three people in the service to do this. But I, I want us to commit, three people to commit to do this. We have some names picked out of some churches and pastors in our area. And Chris is going to be back at the back and get those cards from him. But take one of those cards that has the church's name and the church's address. And I want you to commit to, at some point this week, praying for at least 10 minutes for that church and for that pastor in, in particular. There are a lot of pastors that they get burned out and, and, and need that encouragement. So pray for that pastor. Uh, pray for his church. And then when that's done, write a letter of encouragement to that pastor. We gave the address as well. And included on the back of that card is a gift card we want to give to that pastor from, from, from us as a church. To let them know, man, we're behind what you're doing. We want to support you in that. Because God's kingdom is much bigger than our kingdom. So if three of you would be willing to do that, pray about it. See Chris on the way out. We'd love for just the, the church body across our area to recognize that we are working together to reach people. They're not our competition, not our enemy. We want to be about God's kingdom, not about our kingdom. As soon as we start to do that, as soon as we start to see, man, God's kingdom is, is, is huge, and I want to be a part of a church that gets that. It takes the onus off of what I'm doing. See, I got a lot of pursuits, and sometimes they're really good pursuits, and I want to be a part of those things. But much more important, saying, God, what do you have for us? And what can I be doing in my family? What can I be doing in my job and career? What can I be doing in in my church life and in my neighborhood to reach people for your kingdom? As soon as I get that, I go from what they're doing. Because when, when, when when it's what they're doing, I don't have responsibility. I can point my finger and say, well, they should be doing something about that. And if there's a need... If I write down on my card, well, here's what the church should be doing. They should be doing this which some of us do. And we're saying, well, yeah, someone should take care of that, but it's not for me. But when I say, I'm going to cross out the they, here's what we should be doing. Once we do that, the world would not be prepared for how different our community could be if we got bought in. That's what going from they uh, to, to we is all about. Let's pray.